All right, howlers, let's get howling. But first, a couple quick warnings. First warning, this podcast contains adult content. Don't be a pixie. Second warning, this podcast contains spoilers for the entire Red Rising saga. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy. Email howlerpod at gmail.com. Visit us at howlerpod.com. And subscribe to our YouTube channel. Finger guns <laughs> <laughs> from Ben. Like and subscribe and rate and review us five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, then we'll amputate your arms and wear them as our own. Impersonate you at work. With your arms. W- with your arms. And eyeballs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and now, Howler Pod. It might be Helios's arm in the cestus. It might even be Helios's face smiling at us. But the man now in control of the Dustmaker is not Helios Aulux. Hello, Howlers! Welcome to Howlerpod, your podcast for all things Red Rising, where every episode we dive deep to break down, celebrate, and discuss all aspects of the fantastic Red Rising saga. Bye, Howler number one. Oh! Here's Brown. <laughs> He's got way, way too excited. <laughs> I am your host, Ben Reinert. I am joined today, as always, by the amazing Aaron Ayers. Hello, Howlers. Aaron, what are we doing today? Uh, Lightbringer reread chapters 43 to 47. Let's load up this star shell and shoot straight into our chapter summaries. Hopefully we don't shit our suits. Chapter 43, Lysander, Fragment of Immensity. Lysander and his selected few Praetorians are on the Dustmaker headed to Ilium. Lysander gets an exclusive invitation to the bridge of the ship. Diomedes is wearing the Cestus, commanding the Dustmaker in a practice simulation. We find out Helios has been running dark out on a mission with a small task force, or so they think. <laughs> Lysander tells Diomedes that the leech his mother gave him is continuing to help with the poison of the lament, and he's still wearing it. They talk about Fa being a creature of Darrow's, but decide it's probably unlikely because he blood-eagled Cephi, mm-hmm. who was mm-hmm. like a sister to Darrow. They talk about how the Praetorians hold a grudge about their friends dying at the hand of Romulus, but... That Roan is a realist and loyal to Lysander. Super loyal. To the blood. <laughs> but also, Roan does seem more on edge recently, mm. we're noticing. Diomedes then shows Lysander the approach vector and says that there's no way Fa will take the garter. That they'll hit Fa here before Lysander's ships even arrive. Easy peasy. <clears throat> Chapter 44, Lysander, Grapes and Iron. Lysander stands on the bridge of the Dustmaker with Diomedes, looking upon the moon Kalaki, as they receive a transmission from Helios. Helios relays that everything's gone great. Everything's fine. Everything's super cool here. Uh, my mission, total success. On my way back, we're going to bust these motherfuckers up. Uh, he makes his way onto the ship and up onto the bridge. Diomedes passes him the binds of Zeus, the Cestus, and he's able to put it on. But there's something odd about the whole thing. 
inconsistent, may you say. Uh, Lysander, he can feel it. Something's wrong. Helios hesitated for a second before putting that cestus on. Uh, Diomedes, he's also like kind of sensing something similar as well. He So he asks another question of Helios, kind of code to confirm his identity. Helios answers, and uh, Diomedes ex- seems to accept the answer, but then fast as a viper, he steps into Helios, grabs his arm, and pulls up the sleeve, and it's just like, what the fuck, man? Uh, half of Helios' arm is there, but the other half is not. Uh, that is not his arm. It's like it's, different skin colors. Yes, we've got totally different arms here uh, attached together. So it may be Helios' arm in the cestus. It may even be helios's face staring back at them but that's not helios oh my god who is it (laughs) who could it be chapter 45 lysander all father (laughs) (laughs) diomedes's katari is already at the imposter's throat before he can tell him to remove the cestus the imposter's armor sprays a fine mist in all directions hitting diomedes Zagria and the dust walkers and Lysander, all the people surrounding him on the bridge, the triangle of command. Lysander tries to get to Zagria's razor, but he realizes tiny hair like spines are pierced on the back of his hand, immobilizing him. He falls out of the the triangle of the commander. <laughs> There's like a bubble. And realizes that they're shooting on the bridge, that they're killing all the bridge staff. Just pew, 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 pew. Blues. A lot of murder. What's it? Brains on the controls? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lysander uh, then manages to crawl back into the dome and sees the imposter kill the Dustwalkers and Zagria. Uh, the imposter then cracks a black egg over Diomedes' head, which restricts his senses but does not kill him. Then the imposter continues the exterior battle. He speaks with an obsidian on the comms, and that's when Lysander realizes the imposter is Atlas. Oh, God. The obsidian was Volsung Fa. Oh, my God. <laughs> they are working together. Atlas then calls Dido to tell her that he sentences her to death and then opens fire on Dido's ship, then shoots all the Dominion ships within range. Just he's in the center. Just freaking unloading <laughs> all the rim ships. The rim ships begin to fire back. Atlas also has missiles firing up at the rim ships from Kaliki, as well as Fa swooping around the moon mm. to attack with his fleet. Basically, the rim is fucked. Very fucked. All these ships are <laughs> dead in the water, the space water. Lysander is feeling righteous, so he decides that all he can do is grab Diomedes and flee. He's always righteous if there's a gold that needs saving, you know? Yeah. He's under the influence of the poison, but the handy-dandy leech is still helping him not be totally paralyzed. So he lunges for a grenade, throws it at Atlas, grabs Diomedes, and stumbles towards an escape pod, but before he can deploy it he gets snagged by a razor and pulled out of the pod on the way out he hits the controls and drops diomedes to, to safety quote unquote mm-hmm. also into the middle of a space battle <laughs> yeah good luck safety but 
Lysander then gets beat up <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> and then uh, the Dustmaker has been taking heavy fire, so Atlas decides it's time to go. They bring Lysander along and th- as they exit, and they run into a group of dust walkers. Someone out of sight wastes them. Waste. Who is it? It was Roan and the Praetorians because they're on Atlas's side. Those motherfuckers. Turn, We've been onto them the whole time. Turncoats. Yeah, we we fucking knew. <laughs> Do you know why we knew? Because this is a reread. Chapter 46, Darrow. The sun is down. Darrow and the rest of the crew on the Archimedes sail into the Ilium to find a massacre. Severo laughs eerily at the whole thing, but something is not right here. The dragon and dust armadas have been completely destroyed. The battle happened about 10 days ago. Could Fa have really done all of this? There's no way he could have ambushed them and beat them so decisively. There's barely any like Volk ship damage, wreckage. It's all dust and dragon armada just fucked up. How did this happen? They investigate further, uh, but they can't get too close because they got to avoid this debris field. They've got a super special stealth hole, so we got to stay away from that. Uh, then they see it. It's a giant obsidian crescent. It's over 400 meters long, and it is made of corpses. Great. <laughs> cool. Welcome to Ilium. Uh, are Darrow's obsidians really capable of something this brutal? Ore receives a signal. It's a message from Athena. The sun is down. All assets must report to their Omega torches for evac. It's a fallback contingency. All the daughters have been summoned to Helisan, their base of operations. Just one problem with that whole thing. Ore has no idea where Helisan is. It's too dangerous for her to ever know. Their only option is to go uh, to Sungrave uh, and find Ore's Omega Torch so that she can contact Athena, figure out where Helisan actually is. Uh, so after some back and forth, Severo's really not happy about this development, obviously. Daryl decides that this is the path. <laughs> and then they quote <laughs> back and forth. To, I, would, I would be like, shut up. Yeah, that's, like, that's obnoxious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they really have no other options, though. They're all the way out here. It's like... We got to do this. Just as they are about to head out, we've got another signal. Or I found another signal. This one is a short range signal. It's in the debris field, but maybe they can get some more information about what happened here. So they head in. Severo and Darrow spacewalk to an escape pod buried in the side of a ship hole and find a big old gold bastard inside there floating around. Uh, They drag him in, bring him aboard, cut off his armor, and start to worry because this dude is... Uh, definitely a frontline pianist. Yeah, <laughs> like oh I, shit. They were, they were like <laughs> describing his body. I was like, <laughs> "Hey, Diomedes. Hey, <laughs> forget Cassius." So they pop his helmet off, and what do you know? It's Diomedes out, fucking raw in the flesh. Uh, Severo is like, "We got to torture this guy. We really, <laughs> really got to torture him. He's just being a giant asshole." And Darrow and Cassius are like, no, we don't torture. Severo's like, you don't torture. (laughs) And Diomedes isn't giving up any information. Uh, He's being quiet. 
And then Severo's also kind of testing Ore because he wants to see if she's loyal. He knows that Diomedes was her master. Things are starting to really come to a head with him and his propensity for assholery on the ship. Everybody's pretty annoyed at this point. Uh, they head out, but Darrow is still perplexed about what happened here at Kalike. Uh, he goes to Severo to try to figure it out, but doesn't get much out of the conversation. They're kind of still perplexed as they fly out. What's going on? Yeah. Chapter 47, Lysander, the bringer of darkness. Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> Roan comes to see Lysander in his room. He wants to explain why he betrayed Lysander. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Thanks. He talks about his backstory, about his hundred kennel mates. They were his brothers and sisters, and 46 of them died in the Battle of Ilium when Romulus chose Darrow over the society. He's still pissed about that. <laughs> Very pissed. <laughs> Lysander then realizes that Roan was the one who poisoned him on Phobos, not Atalantia. Mm, mm-hmm. Roan explains that Atlas contacted him after they took Phobos. Atlas didn't want Lysander to join the room's fate. Roan says that Atlas wants to speak with him and that he expects him to listen to what he has to say with open ears. (laughs) Now, Lysander, (laughs) we expect more of you. That's what Roan says. I thought that was great from Roan where he's just like, and we expect you to listen. Yes, yes. You little (laughs) shit. That's what he said. So Roan and Lysander walk down the hall. They pass a common room where people are cheering. Fall, fall, fall. And it's because the Garter battle wall was breached and Fa's army. I didn't think that could happen though. Over, Diomedes said that's, it couldn't happen. That's what I've been told. But what the, he meant was the rim <laughs> ships wouldn't let it happen. But mm. then they're all destroyed, mm. so they're fucked. They enter the medical bay, and Atlas is sitting there looking rough, with red-rimmed eyes and his arms amputated at the elbow. Lysander also sees Helios in the med bay with his arms amputated, his eyes missing, and his head penetrated by wires linked to a green who is extracting codes from him. He didn't he doesn't look good. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking like back in chapter forty three or forty four when he first gives like his codes, I was like, How do they get all those codes? Well, answer this is how. right there. <laughs> they were tapped into his brain. They are pulling him out. <laughs> this is like brain diddled but even worse because <laughs> yeah. you're all amputated and yeah and you're like aware prodded. of it yeah uh yeah so once they get all the codes they inject helios and kill him which Pro- probably for the best probably better off yeah sorry helios he was kind of an asshole i know poor one out poor guy Atlas then explains to Lysander what the whole plan is for the Rim, why he's doing this, and how it's it's not personal. <laughs> that was I love that part. <laughs> I'm not doing this because I want to. Yeah. It's because it has to happen. <laughs> the Rim needs to be taught humility before they can be part of the society. They're too proud. Atalantia plans to be the savior that swoops in to help the Rim and unite the core with the Rim, but Atlas proposes that Lysander take this role instead. He says that if he doesn't say yes, then he'll have to kill him. (laughs) Sorry. He'll have to put a fake Lysander in his place. But then Lysander struggles still with this decision because he's like, it's wrong. He's, He's got morals. He has morals. Yeah. 
But ultimately, he decides it's in his in everyone's best interest if he accepts the offer and doesn't die. Oh, Hail Loon, bringer of light. <laughs> All right. That was our chapter summaries. Let's talk about our theme for this week. And the theme is... The Big Reveal. I really wanted to make it The Prestige. Did you see ever see that movie? No. The Prestige about the magicians? Probably. It's got like Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale. Did I? It sounds familiar. Yeah. But it sounds great. In that movie, Michael Caine has this great speech about the three parts of a magic trick. Yes, I remember that. Okay, yeah. And it's like the pledge, the turn, and then the prestige. And that's like the the big the whoa moment. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't think anybody would get it. So I, just, I wouldn't have gotten it. Yeah. <laughs> so this is about the whoa moment. Yes, this is a whoa. We get a lot of just like whoa here. So let's talk about our quotes this week because, I mean, we're just learning all this information basically about atlas we're really even though we like definitely suspected yes some weird shit we knew he was up to something right and yeah. there was like some overarching plan but nobody knew exactly what his whole deal was and really what's your deal bro we find out here like everything that he's been up to all his big plans we also hear tidbits of like when his green or yellow when his doctor is like uh, it'll be just like last time or something. Right. Like he's just swapping faces out here. Yeah. He's doing a lot of weird shit. There's a lot of stuff we don't know about Atlas, but this is like the but real... We know he's doing weird shit. This is the biggest like info dump that we do find about about his big plan. Yes. So we're revealing all that information. And I thought this first quote was interesting because this is that in that conversation in chapter 43 between Diomedes and Lysander, they're like eating trout together. And he like has this quote about steamed trout, uh, Atlas. And he's like right on the money kind of, but he doesn't realize like how close he is to actually what's going on. So, uh, and then we kind of get this whole thing busted wide open by the end of this set of chapters. So let's hear from Diomedes first. My father always wondered, though, did Atlas leave to fight the Republic as he claimed, or was he chased out because he feared what he had awoken out there in the dark? So this is him talking about Atlas going out to the Ink to fight the Ascomani because they're having this conversation about, like, do you actually know what the Ascomani are and, like, what they do? And Diomedes is kind of given uh, Lysander some info, given us some info as well. Yes. And then he's talking about how Romulus basically wondered, like, what was the real reason that Atlas returned? Was he chased out? Yes. So, And they thought he was chased out by the Ascomani, but really, well, he had, like, planted all these seeds among the Ascomani, and now he's going to use them as his agents to literally destroy the entire rim. It's it's pretty crazy. <laughs> it's quite a plan. <laughs> and we always say like Lysander's so self righteous, but like how self righteous is Atlas or how how like overly committed is he to the idea that the society is like the only right thing and that the rim have to pay for their rebellion. He freaking loves it, man. Literally everyone dying. <laughs> yeah. It's, and like 
not just everyone dying, but destroying all the infrastructure too. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, he's it's pretty intense. Really about it, and we'll we have another quote from Atlas where we'll talk about that further. But I've got some comparisons there for that particular thing that I thought were interesting. So uh, let's go on to our next quote, though. We'll, we've got a couple here from Lysander. So there were lots of things that were surprising reveals in this section. Not only like we talked about, do we kind of get this whole actual plan for what's going on with Atlas, but through that (laughs) vehicle, we get this great reveal of like what's going on with Helios and that Atlas has literally stolen his body and is impersonating him. His arms Um, and his eyes. So this, this set of chapters is just all about reveals. But I think this quote is just like my favorite quote in this entire section. It's just, it's when you were reading this, like, what were you thinking? Do you remember kind of like in the moment? No, I don't. I didn't know it was Atlas. I didn't either. Like, I had no, no fucking clue what was going on. I was like, yeah, when Lysander's like starting to feel weird about it. I was like, okay. But then he like answers the question, right? So you're right. like, okay. That's good. <laughs> yeah. No, I was just, I was confused. And I think I, I, I read it all, you know, obviously Yeah. in one sitting. So I yeah. didn't wonder for long. Right. No, but like I was just, I had when he, cause this is like the end, this line is like the end of a chapter going into the next chapter. I'm not like, oh, well this is Atlas, you know, like I'm turning the page, like looking or thinking to myself, like what the fuck is happening? What is going on here? Who could this possibly be? And of course, it's, you know, the scariest motherfucker in the entire solar system. He's pretty scary. All right, let's hear from Nick here. It might be Helios's arm in the cestus. It might even be Helios's face smiling at us. But the man now in control of the Dustmaker is not Helios our Lux. That moment of just utter terror is, is fantastic. And then... Of course, all throughout all of this uh, section as well, we get this reveal that, like we've been talking about for several weeks now, these shady, shady Praetorians, we finally see their true colors here. They're still I mad. They're still mad at the rim. <laughs> they are mad and they do not like that Lysander is so buddy-buddy. Like, Roan's pretty upset that he's like, you barely even know Diomedes. Yeah. Like, to think about my pain. Like, yeah. 46 of my brothers and sisters died needlessly because right. of Diomedes' dumbass father Yeah, siding with Darrow. Yeah. 96 of his best friends. He's got, like, four friends left or whatever. 95, I guess he's yeah. it's the five of them left. Uh, out of their hundreds. So like we get this whole backstory with Roan in this chapter and he kind of talks about his kennel and like why he's so pissed at the room. He also like surprisingly Roan is very space racist. Oh, and yeah. he's like, you gave your cloak to that ruster or whatever. <laughs> yeah. He's all like, you know, hates reds. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot revealed here. The big reveal about like who Roan is. You're really like, is. Who he's been this whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Damn, dude. I thought you were just like a good soldier like Holiday. Right. 
Not like yeah, loyal. I call it it. Not like a fucking traitor. <laughs> he should have had the real conspiracy corner. Yeah, should have been for Roan. <laughs> Was he the gray in the garden? <laughs> oh, yeah. there we go. Now we're on to something. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's hear this quote. Ignis, a familiar voice calls from across the hangar. My heart drops. Lunay, Atlas calls. I turn to see my squad of ten Praetorians melt out of the shadows. Wow. I really love that Lysander got this wrong. I mean... <laughs> yeah, where's your mind's eye, bro? I love that just a chapter earlier or two chapters earlier or whatever, he's like... He's like, Roan's loyal to me. <laughs> yeah, he's loyal to the blood, dude. <laughs> and, then, and then it is funny later, uh, like right after this, Roan's like, they don't, like he calls him the blood. Like right. he only let the blood bring ten of us. Yeah, I did think that was funny too. That stood out to me. Uh, but yeah, so all that Praetorian shadiness has now resulted in this. They've betrayed Lysander. They've been working for Atlas for a while now. Roan is revealed as the poisoner. Yes, uh, all of that. So big, big reveal there. Let's move on to our final quote here, and this is from atlas himself and he's really like explaining why he's doing this lysander's called him out like he's like dude you're murdering your own family members destroying your own culture basically and wild atlas is like well this is tearing me up inside but (laughs) but so crazy (laughs) i love the fucking society so much bro (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's it's he i mean this was the wrong child to to trade yeah. you know like yeah. romulus would have been a better trade <laughs> he wouldn't have come back and murdered his entire you know let's hear this quote from atlas here i do this not for glory or my own satisfaction I do this because I believe in the society enough to be the tool that it requires. I am a monster, because a monster is needed. But after, when the monster has rampaged and terrorized the people, they will need a savior to gather them up, to remind them of their better values, and lead them to a better, more unified future. I have brought darkness to the worlds in the fullest extreme, so you can bring the light. So you can bring the light. So yeah, Atlas is basically saying like, I'm the necessary evil. He's always said that. Like, oh, pulls up butts. I don't want to do that, but it's a necessary <laughs> right. tactic. It actually saves lives. Yeah. You know, he's like... <laughs> <laughs> he's and so... like the pursuit of society is so noble that it justifies anything that he may do to get there. And it's just, it's crazy. Like, why not just let the rim be the rim? Yeah. Like, I mean, he's spent like so much time his whole life basically on, and Octavia is the one who sent him away. Right. Like as an adult, shouldn't he then be mad at the society? People keep sending him away. He was just really pissed about Darrow, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, She's the one who's like, don't come back until all the Askamani are, right. you know, it's like he was banished from two different homes. Right. But for some reason he 
like is only destroying the rim and not also the core. Yeah. For me, like reading this back, uh, it really, this was, if you've ever like read or watched the Watchmen, have you seen that movie? Yes. This is Atlas's Ozymandias moment where like the big villain, and this is spoilers for the Watchmen. So if you've not read that graphic novel, that's 35 years old. I thought it was a TV show or it's a, well, there is the new TV show from HBO, but that's a sequel to the actual oh, graphic novel. Okay, then no. Uh, and that's then there's, you can spoil it there's me. also a movie, but there's a villain in there, Ozymandias. And his whole thing is like, uh, he basically wants to bring the world together. And by doing that, he like <laughs> kills a bunch of people and creates this crisis where in the graphic novel, a giant alien appears in the middle of like New York city, a bunch of people die and all of the superpowers like unite as a result, because the world's coming together. It's got to fight a common enemy, but in order to get there, he's like covering up all this conspiracy in place and like killing superheroes and all this stuff like that. So his whole goal is like, I've got to bring the world together, but he does all this like evil shit and creates this giant massive, like, a bunch of people die and creates this massive horrible thing so that it pulls the people together in order to respond to it. But like what's worse was where we worse off before. (laughs) Yes. So it's, it's like, to me, this is Atlas being Ozymandias from Watchmen. Uh, This is his moment like that, where he's like justifying all this terrible shit he's done just in the name of like, I've got to bring people together ultimately like it's for the greater good and all of that. So, but it's like the greater good is like millions of people dead. (laughs) The garter destroyed. Right. Like slavery being a thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay, great. (laughs) Just like like, how, how are we going to end up better than what we started? I feel like there's gotta be a better way. Yeah. Which is why it's (laughs) like Atlas is, good at what he does except he, i don't think he realizes why he's doing it yeah and i think it's definitely like a scorned child well he's just like the ultimate manipulator and but i mean the reason why he's killing all these all the rim like he's saying it's because they rebelled right but like it's gotta also be because they he's gave mad. they gave him up as a yeah. child i mean he says it's not but but like can we trust him on that? It's yeah. I think be it's a good. little I mean maybe he doesn't think it is, but yeah. deep down I mean Yeah. I mean what he says is his love for the society basically just runs so deep and he believes in the concept. But even so much. I mean so does Lysander. Yeah. 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 And I mean ultimately it, Lysander makes similar choices. Right, but he he doesn't straight up want to like <laughs> kill all the rim he wants he wants everyone to be united but right. he thinks there's a more peaceful way to do it right and i would i would think that there is but and there's also this like are you really getting you know the united front that you want if you're manipulating and and you know people into that in the first place because it's all lies that yeah. is going to get them there you know so but apparently he left no trace so they'll never find out <laughs> <laughs> no one will ever tell especially not roan or lysander they'll never tell 
<laughs> so all yes, right. we learned the uh, big reveal. The big reveal. This was all about Atlas this week, and yeah, I mean, he really came to the forefront here. Like we ne- we didn't know coming into this book whether it was going to be kind of like what we were going to find out about Atlas, but it really got laid out on the table here what he's been up to and why and what his ultimate goal is. And so that is going to color the rest of the book now, yes. especially in Lysander's journey, especially because like at the end of these chapters, he's really compromised his morals big time in order to... I will say as a Lysander hater, like I would have made the same choice. Well, because yeah, he, he doesn't like, have a choice. There's no choice. <laughs> yeah. He's like, do you want to die and then we'll all pretend that you're not dead? Yeah. Or do you want to say yes? Yeah. So Lysander's thought process is if I'm in charge, then I can you yeah, know, at least he, make a difference. Even some, dreams of... Maybe I can make a difference somehow. Atlas, Atalantia yeah. being dead yeah. at his feet and he's the savior. Right. Right. Which... One of those things does happen <laughs> in this book. All right. So that was this week's theme. Let's talk about our next segment, which is how was Cassius hilarious today? This is a great one. Ben, I'll let you take all of these. <laughs> so this is when uh, they're going to pick up Diomedes, right? And they're like debris field, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Gerald's like, Cassius, take us in. He's, and he goes, Cassius, and then Cassius cuts him off, and he says, if you say fly like an eagle, I'm turning this ship around. And then he starts flying the ship into the debris field. Watch and learn, Lyria, and then he winks at her, and then a piece of debris immediately hits the hole. Everyone winces in the ship, and he says, starting now. <laughs> Watch and learn, Lyria. <laughs> Doink. Starting now. Very <laughs> uh, cute. That was great. Uh, and a very dark set of chapters. That one joke, that was, really. That was nice. <laughs> the one joke. This segment, I think, makes me sad every week. Yeah. Why? Because. <laughs> oh, uh, because he's dead. Because, uh, yeah, it makes me like, man, mm. what a nice guy. I know. What a good friend. To he's Lyria. great, and we haven't even really gotten into the good stuff yet. We got a lot of good stuff coming oh up. God. I'm going to start crying during How Was Cassius Hilarious (laughs) And coming up is our Prime 5, five of our favorite insights and observations from this week's chapters. Can we just, uh, first thing on the Prime 5 list is, can we just give like the most massive eye roll to Lysander at the start of chapter 43 when he's just like walking around the ship and he's just like, man, this is fucking awesome. I love the society. <laughs> I'm on the dust maker. <laughs> We're friends. Everything's coming out. He's like, I'm just a little cog in the machine of this great society. It's <laughs> like, shut the and fuck then up. He says, quote, men like Volsung Fa only exist because of what Darrow began. <laughs> okay. Excuse me. <laughs> First of all, it's Atlas, (laughs) not Darrow. Also, the whole obsidians being savages, quote unquote, that's the society's fault. They like like, took away all their technology. I wonder why they would want to revolt. Yeah, I wonder why. (laughs) They're like bred like bulls and like put in like the Colosseum to fight to the death. I wonder why they would. And he calls it. My favorite line was. It 
solidifies my belief in the Republic's cancerous effect on the harmonious system our ancestors built. Our harmonious system of slavery. And not just slavery, <laughs> like like torturing <laughs> yes. specific races. Yes. Specific colors get... Yes, like, sexually exploiting uh, pinks. pinks. Yeah. Like, great harmonious system you have yeah. there. Treating <laughs> treating grades this, like that level of delusion dogs. from Lysander is when you just like I cannot stand him. Yeah, you know it's just it's tough. Can you believe that people like him? <laughs> it's, I don't know, like that type of thing when he does stuff like that, and he does. He's had moments like that. Well, these few chapters, he's real. Yeah, like. Up his own ass. <laughs> yes. He's, just, he's always been that way, you know? He's been that way since Iron Gold. So that's where I've, I've never connected with him because he just is on a level of delusion. Self-righteous. That is just hard to uh, to go for. So, And then also in Chapter 43, we get this conversation with Diomedes and Lysander. We kind of touched on it earlier, but there's just like all those seeds that we've been talking about for weeks on weeks here. They've just been growing. We get like a full dump of <laughs> all this information we've been talking about. We get all of like the Demeter's Garter information. We get yes. the brown growers. We get more Praetorian weirdness and shadiness and why they hate the rim. So it's like all this like great backstory fill in. Like Pierce does a really great job of giving us meat. An, yeah, an exposition dump like in this great conversation between diomedes and lysander so i really like that as well yeah yeah and it's there's like multiple dumps oh yeah we're taking big old shits <laughs> of information you get some atlas stuff in there too in the roan stuff yeah roan yeah it's really interesting to like just like with having lyria like knowing her backstory and her story it's it's cool to see different like sub characters kind of get rounded out because yeah. roan was like very um you know 2d yeah and now he's 3d yeah. to us yeah what's, and what's i just a better way to say no that? i think that's pretty good <laughs> uh some depth yeah depth of character but i think it's uh, what i want to call out there specifically is just like the craftsmanship of pierce and just like how well he does that where you're getting all this information that we all we're gonna need to know here in like three chapters, but we're getting it all kind of right now in this very organic conversation yeah. between Diomedes and Lysander. Pierce is a good writer; he's good at this. And then, really, our prime five every week could include great job, Pierce. Yeah, for sure. But it's also fun, especially these this set of chapters is fun to know when you go back and reread because yep. then this is where we're getting all that information, like on what's going on all the breadcrumbs yep. in the beginning chapter yeah because you're taking this stuff in the first time reading but you have no idea like how it's going to play yeah yeah uh, yeah so it, but it's stuff you need to know as a reader so it's, it's well done it's great our next item on the prime five i really just wanted to sh say like shout out r.i.p ophelia Al zagra zagria zagria sorry I thought she was, I mean, very small part, obviously, but like... She has giant pores she, on her nose. She, she seems cool. Other than the blackheads. She needs a nose strip. <laughs> I'm on the... Uh, when on, she sleeps. I'm on the record being grossed out by 
knows blackheads back with uh Elias Snowspear or whatever. Oh, that's right. Uh yeah, she had a gross nose and that's immediately what I thought of. Yeah. When I read that. But other than the blackheads, large women. I thought Ophelia sounded cool. But Zagria was the first onto the breach. Yeah. And she's becoming famous. I liked badass. her commendation when she said to Lysander, like, proper iron. I like that as like a, you know, like you're an iron gold, like proper iron. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I thought that was good. <laughs> Next time we're like saying bye. Yeah. We should be like, proper iron. I'd like to see Ophelia versus Draxa. That sounds like a fucking square off. I wouldn't. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think obviously Thraxa would win, but you know, no. I wonder who has like the larger thighs, you know? Thraxa. <laughs> the Telemonises are like famous. For their for thighs? Their, for their size. Yeah. Ophelia just shouts. Zachary she sounded like a, a... She's bigger than Lysander, but he's a little... She sounded Twat. huge, though. <laughs> <laughs> she sounded thick. All thick right. Guys. Next up, uh, Severo being scary. Is he as scary as the Fear Knight, do you think? I mean, he is Darrow's Fear Knight. Level. Like, they're the only two that are on the same level. And Darrow's talked about that of, before. Of, like, nastiness. Yeah. And Darrow's yeah. like, I basically, like, the way that I counteracted Atlas was Severo. Like, he's the only one that's capable of going to that depth. Yeah. And we see it here just like... Psychotic. Severo is fucking nuts. So first, and a bad time. <laughs> first we hear... Watch how <laughs> negative you speak, Leo. Severo. But first we hear, like, Lysander's talking about, like, not being scared of obsidians, but mm -hmm. that what what's in his nightmares is goblins. Yeah. And that's because Severo obviously kidnapped him as a child, but he says he's more scared of Severo because Severo has no qualms about killing children. <laughs> yeah. And then just like the way that Severo's like just laughing at all these, yes. all this destruction. Yeah, there's like bodies floating and he's like <laughs> cackling and everyone's like horrified. Yeah. He's, he's like, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's fucking dead. And then just... And he has like no empathy for... Ore, like yeah. she, she's obviously horrified. This is her homeland; it's being ravaged. Right. He's just like laughing openly in front of her. I know. And then just like being a dick. him describing the torture and just I, oh, torturing Diomedes. Yeah, yeah. And just like how he's talking about it and this tone of voice and like Daryl was saying, like he was talking like he's talking to like a little baby, you know, or something like that. Like it was just yeah. It was it was creepy and. He was a giant asshole once again in this set of chapters. I was uh, thinking I was going to ask you. Darrow says like the only sound is Severo's cackling yeah. down the hall. What do you think that's like a? <laughs> 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 what what kind of cackle uh, would you think? I I don't know. <laughs> it has got to be high pitched. Is I it think. like yeah. the the Green Goblin? You know? Yeah. <laughs> I think it is more of a high pitch and it did seem kind of like an acting type, you yeah. know, like he's putting on airs a little bit. He's trying, trying hard at laughing. So that was my best attempt at it. Yeah. I think that was, it's probably kind of like a Joker laugh like, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Also, one thing I want to talk about here. Severo's nasty. Yeah. With, this is now the second time in the second set of books 
that Lysander has talked about his fear of Severus specifically and kind of called out like that he wants to kill him and like that he really he just like seems to really not like Severo and that has stuck in his mind. Yeah. So that And he's saying like if you ever meet he says to Dimes, if you ever meet Severo, kill him quickly and make sure he's dead. Yeah. And <laughs> Diomedes is sitting there manacled with Severo, like <laughs> talking about torturing. It's like, Fuck, Does dude. that scare us at all for Severo's future? I think it should scare Lysander. Yeah. I'm just wondering, you know, I wonder if Lysander might be the person to take Lys- to take Severo out. How? Well, I don't know. I mean, he's... No. <laughs> Pro- probably shoot him with a gun. Yeah, at, at long range. <laughs> probably not fight him. Yeah. I'm sure he won't fight him hand-to-hand Just combat. Just shoot him in the face like uh, everyone else. Yeah, so... How dare you even suggest that? Mm. It's not going to happen. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, this is a... You're it's letting been, Cassie P's... It's been called out several times, so I'm just... It's just something I'm noting, you know? Yes, just, yes. It's something to be aware of. And I'm then... just being offended at, for <laughs> all the fans. That's fine. Of several. And then we just wanted to wrap up here with just kind of a little more Atlas, just because... Wow. I thought it was really interesting that he was supposed to kill... Lysander and Diomedes as part of this operation. Yeah, he says Atalantia wanted me to kill mm-hmm. you and Diomedes, but sh- what she doesn't know. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. That he, how much Atalantia like is a part of like she knows all this. Plan. Yeah, yeah. How much she's a part of this whole thing, and the fact that, but at the end of the day, Atlas still sees Lysander has a better option than her because she tears people apart and he brings them together. Right. I wonder if that's the only reason or whether he thinks that Lysander may be easier to control, Obviously. keep in line or, you know, and he has, yeah, he has none of his own allies and knowing all this now and knowing that Atlantia knew Atlas's plan, it kind of makes sense now that like when Darrow, Darrow, when Lysander and Diomedes went to attack Mars, that she was like, okay, good luck. Yeah. She knew right. like she didn't have to get involved because the rim wouldn't be there for long. Right. She knew like why Fa was out there and what was going on with that already. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Interesting. Interesting stuff. All right. That was our prime five. It's time to uh, name our primus of the week where we choose the one character who conquered our proctors of plot, rose above the rest. Our primus of the week is... Atlas. Yeah. The Fear Knight. I mean, there's no other choice here. He's... uh, (laughs) He goes to great lengths (laughs) to get shit done. He is committed. I will say, if if I (laughs) were getting as much shit done as Atlas... (laughs) Yeah. You know, I'd be more successful. I know. If I had that kind of work ethic, I'm not even willing to cut my own arms <laughs> off for work. I would never. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, their like ability to reattach your own limbs is, you know, yeah. far but, but superior still, to ours. It's at the or end of the day, this is just Atlas's job. You know, it's not like. Well, it's also uh, like his life. But should it be? <laughs> 
Alice, we need you to come in for a therapy session. Yes. Talk about your goals. Exactly. Like, yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's the Should real problem. Be? Yeah. So, congratulations, Atlas. You're the Primus of the Week, but golly, man, you're scaring the shit out of us. It's not great. <laughs> All right. Time for some Howler mailbag. Hell yeah. What do we got? We've got, uh, let's start with some tidbits. Cassie P, you're on deck. Hello, Howlers. It's Cassie with tidbits for chapters 43 through 47. First, a thanks to Ben and Aaron. I think it might have been Ben for sharing Scavenger's Reign. Such a fantastical concept and a hauntingly moving story. I just, I just wish I had more appreciation for what the angry panda was so pissed off about. Yeah, that was a little frustrating part of the show. Okay, and I don't like being the person who, you know, just comes up with everybody's gonna die but everybody that you guys named in episode 104 who pissed on somebody i think is now dead titus carnus ajax and it wasn't immediate it's like a final destination timeline thing and i just want to welcome elir aaron to the rest of us who are waiting for the third book I have Let's Talk Mythology Part 4 still in the wing, but I think it'll be a couple weeks before I get to share it. It's a pretty neat religio-political look at the books and parallels in real-world history. And the little segment was inspired by Howlerpod episode 102. But in this section of the book, there were just too many little classic Pierce breadcrumbs that, for me, added flavor to, to the reread to just leave them unexplored. I know I didn't take the time to look any of this up the first time around since most of it could have been ignored or glazed over because there was context that you could still read it without understanding. But now this time, knowing the little tidbits just made the content so much richer for me. So I took the time and looked stuff up and I hope uh, this makes your reread experience a little richer as well. So there are five little gems that I found. The first one... As Lysander joins Diomedes on the bridge of the Dustmaker, he had to turn his razor over to the Kidemonas, which means guardian in Greek. And when the Kidemonas calls Lysander the G-A-H-J-A word, TGR pronounced it Gaia, with like a soft J. But as the Red Rising wiki points out, the word is derived from the Japanese term for outsider, Gaijin. So... Let this be the only time I praise Lysander and his narrator from Iron Gold for setting the, the standard for what I think would be the proper way to say Gaja. Number two, the cestus that Diomedes and Helios, quote-unquote Helios, use here was briefly described at the beginning of the book as a battle glove. A cestus is, in fact, a boxing glove used by ancient Greeks and Romans. Number three. Demeter's garter is named after Demeter, the goddess of the harvest and the Greek version of the Roman goddess Ceres. Ceres was, of course, the institute house that had all those yummy, yummy carbs and whose cook Daryl stole in a raid. I imagine the Ascomani would be equally excited if they captured one of the growers. Number four, when Diomedes says to Helios slash Atlas, 
What is the beauty behind the moon? Lysander mentions Rumi, an ancient Islamic scholar and poet who wrote the line. Atlas's answer of the beauty behind the moon is the moon maker is the literal correct response to complete the quote. So the right response must have been some variation. Number five, before Atlas begins the pulverization of the Rim fleet, the Gorgons shout, Fiat justitia et preat mundus. That is attributed to Holy Roman Emperor Ferdinand I and means, let justice be done, though the world perish, which I roughly translate as a Mad King Ares II burn them all style of judgment. On the topic of Game of Thrones, does the Rim and its people remind anyone else of Dorne and Westeros? I mean, the Rim capital is called Sungrave versus in Dorne. They have Sunspear. They have different styles. They both have different styles and cultures from the rest of the empire and exist on the geographical edge of their respective societies. Last thing, I didn't understand or maybe I missed something here. I get that Helios is the truth knight. But why would he have given Atlas his real 16-digit authentication code? Yeah, torture and fear of punishment if the code didn't work. I get that. But how would Atlas have verified it? I didn't feel like there was any other fleet that he could contact and test this code without either exposing himself um, if it was really a fake. Maybe there was a spy who heard it and memorized it from previous usage? I don't really know. And also, why would Atlas wear the House Dionysus Katata when it wasn't on Helios' person when Atlas killed him? I know something in the book, in the narrative, had to tip Lysander off in terms of the plot, but for the Fear Knight, like in-universe, it just seems a little sloppy. But uh, yeah, that's it for this week. Hope you guys found some of that stuff interesting, and hope to see some comments if you guys found anything else interesting and feel like sharing. Hickus lupus, motherfucker. Oh! Thank you, Cassie P. Those were some good tidbits. I like the uh, Demeter series one. Yeah. I didn't put that Stealing together. The, yeah, that was the good. Cook. Yeah. Yes. And thank you for welcoming me to Alir. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm rising in the ranks already, it seems. Uh, I would say for the code, I think we talked about that earlier. I think we're we're thinking it was the wires. Yeah, they had oh, the Helios it, code. Kind of basically sucked it out of his brain with that green. Yeah, like brain hooked up to him. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he like said it. I think right. They pulled it out of his brain. Yeah. Uh, brain diddling. What was the second one? The the last one. Uh, the Qatari. Yes, the Qatari. So it doesn't Atlas say like. Oh, he had a Qatari, but I couldn't remember which one because it was lost when right. we were like capturing Helios. Yeah, Helios had a Qatari with him, but they just didn't know. And then, yeah, you're like you said, it was lost during their battle. And then he didn't know which Qatari he had. So he guessed the daughter's Qatari, basically. Let's back up. Everyone who pissed on someone is now dead. Oh, shit. I forgot about that part. I hope that's not true for Lyria. No. Lyria's <laughs> got to break the streak there. All those other people... The streak. Were <laughs> all those other people were relatively bad people. Yeah. So, Lyria, while she did pee on someone... It was, it was more yeah, like, in it was, self-defense. It was a self-defense pee. 
You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> how could you not? Maybe she was even scared. It wasn't a, like a, you know, a personal pee. I also wanted to say the quote, let justice be done, though the world perish. That's like Atlas's whole body. Yeah. He should get that tattooed. I on know. His, <laughs> on his <laughs> new arm. On his chest. That should be just like a very gaudy chest yeah. tattoo. Though the world perish. Um, I also really liked the, the Dorn rim comparison as a yeah as a game of thrones fan that was that was fantastic i hadn't thought about that but yeah that's that's a good connection thanks cassie p for continuing to give us tidbits we love tidbits all right we've got an email from our old friend daniel daniel how you doing daniel also didn't like leave the world behind he watched it after i recommended it Um, and found it wanting i Everyone, including you, who's told me about it, makes me not want to watch it. <laughs> so I'm not going to. He's wel- He's also welcoming you to the Name of the Wind fandom did, did as well. Did he rank me a leer? <laughs> uh, he did not say. So he's withholding judgment on that wow. one. You'll have to pass your tests. <laughs> I don't like tests. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> uh, let's see. Daniel really enjoyed the the Diomedes Lysander conversation. Mm -hmm. And then let's see. He wanted to call out the ghost sailing scene. Um, It's just more of that rim tech aesthetic that he really likes. They've got the gemstones like representing the moons and the golden lights showing the trajectory. I think that's really sick and says, do you remember Treasure Planet back in the day with the kids solar wind glider? Yes. I get those types of vibes from the rim and I want more. I do really like the like rim aesthetic of like yeah. the way they they put some craftsmanship into their like maps and shit uh, and their representations of planets and et cetera. He said Atlas infiltrating the Dustbringer bridge is a top tier moment of the whole saga and it shocked me more than the Gala and Severo's Morningstar death combined. Why was I so scared for the enemies of the Republic? Because <laughs> fear is in the same room, bitches, and not fucking around. The tension of Lysander was one thing, but when Diomedes and Dustwalkers become tense and Ra uh, slides Helios's sleeve up, I was literally floored. What can this man not do? At what obstacle uh, can Atlas not overcome? Imagine if he was never taken as a ward, how different would this world be? That's what I said. (laughs) Maybe if someone had loved him as a child. Uh, Daniel also has a problem with Severo. So I'm right there with you, uh, Daniel. It's it's annoying how annoying Severo is at at this point. At some point, it's like, okay, let's be a team player. He's just not willing. He's kind of single minded. It's the same thing I was trying to say before. (laughs) 2D versus 3D. But he's. He's just like one plane right now. And it's kind of a lot of a lot of hypocrisy coming out. He's like throwing a lot of spears but not really yeah. willing to t- look look inward at all uh about anything. Let's see. He also thinks that the Primus needs to go to the Fear Knight. You'll be happy to know, Daniel, that we did award It's before we read that Atlas the, the Fear Knight. So yes, we didn't even see that. He also agrees with the Cassius funny moment. So Daniel, you're gonna be happy with this episode. This is this is great. Welcome to Hallerpod, Daniel. <laughs> and uh, he says, "Hail Hallerpod!" All right. Thank you. Thank you, Hail Daniel. Daniel. Hail Daniel. We appreciate you as always. 
And I think we have a few voicemails. We do. Let's play this one. I think was about last week's chapters. So some children of the corn questioning. Hey, Ben and Aaron. This is Cameron from NC. And I was calling about last week's episode and Quicksilver with his children of the corn. And I have a theory for Red God. So Pierce introduces two new details in this book, Quicksilver's Children of the Corn and the Eat Me. So I'm curious if he's setting up these two things for Lysander to basically have a rogue moment, but with everyone else in this in the the solar system and Quicksilver's Children of the Corn are just floating in space being the only living people left. It's an interesting theory. I don't think it'll happen, but just curious about your thoughts on these on these two plot progressions in the story. Thank you guys for having being so amazing. And a woo Cameron. So what Thank Cameron's you. saying is like Lysander's gonna unleash this eat me thing. Eat me. Eat me. And it's gonna <laughs> eat everything, including Lysander. Which Yes. You know, and then we're just gonna uh, like flash to the the, the asteroid the and the children of the corn well, learning. Quicksilver's intent for this isn't necessarily thinking that the Raman core this is that they will extinct themselves, but mm. it's more about the golden gaze. But I'm sure it's also like I want the human race to live on. Yeah. It's a fun idea. I like that. Yeah. I, let's just kill everybody. It's <laughs> <laughs> a funny. I think there are, is a story out there that would end that way. I don't think it's this story. I will yeah. say that. Yeah. Yeah. I like your theory. You're theorizing though. And thank you for calling in. Thank you for calling. Of course. All right. Let's go for one more here. Oh my gosh. Okay. First time. Calling in, Ben and Aaron, what is good? But dudes, I'm loving this podcast. It's been, uh, well, it was introduced to me by a friend who also reads the series, but he didn't introduce me to it until Lightbringer, and I don't know why I never thought to look for it before. Anywho, it's been a hoot. I'm loving it. I love the breakdowns. Ben, yes. Cassius Love. Right? So good. Fuck you, Lysander. But okay, Aaron. I have a bone to pick with you. You call everyone a pixie, and I think pixies are dope. As a gay dude, I'm super okay with being a pixie. Like, I would, I would low-key, I would, like, for reals, on the reals. I mean, TMI, if your children are here, maybe just earphones. But, like, if I was a man, I would pixie. I would be, I would love to be a little pixie bitch in, like, the Bologna household. Them boys is thick. Sounds like it anyway. Okay, so enough with that, thirst trap. On to the actual story. I, I, can't, I can't say anything. I can't ruminate anymore on the story. Uh, I just got to say that, like, I started reading this book when it first came out, and I was doing, I'm an archaeologist, and I was doing a dig in a Roman villa, well, the bathhouse, in Sicily when I first found out about this book, and I was reading it in the ruins, uh, and I was just like, there's no way. Like, I, as an archaeologist, I actually hate the Romans. Not hate, but I don't really like them. And yet I'm always digging Roman sites. It's kind of funny. So I found out the book, and I'm reading it. My gosh, is so great. It was so vivid. And I was like, yo, the Red Rising series. 
it's just like if the, the Roman Empire never fell and just, I don't know, went out and conquered the, the solar system and turned everybody into like a color cast. So it makes sense. But you guys have been doing so good breaking down all the little things, even like the other callers calling in and saying little, you know, idiosyncratic clues and stuff that they catch. I love that. I love this thing. It's so great. So I've just got one thing, Red Rising and book number seven. And unlike everybody else, I, I kind of like that it. it has a finality. I'm like that. I like things to be beautiful and perfect. Uh, and perfect things have an ending. And uh, I think this is my prediction. Is it, are you ready for this? I'm spinning aerial nunchucks right now because I'm ready to ready to throw this idea down. I think that what's going to happen in Red God is that Lysander is going to decarve Darrow. I think he's going to catch him in spectacular fashion. Most likely he's captured Pax, and so Darrow has to like, give himself up, something to that effect. Or maybe even Pax is brought into the fold just like a little bit, and Lysander and Pax have this weird little, like, you know, we got to let the old world die so the new one can live kind of thing, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Probably not. Pierce is the writer. I'm not. But I fucking, I love this idea, and I'm stoked on it. I think Lysander's going to decarve Darrow, you know, because he's got this sort of weird eugenic shit about him. You know, about how gold is just a pure thing. And that Darrow is an impurity. And he's masquerading as a gold. And I don't know if you all caught it. And I thought Pierce was leading me down this path, which is where this idea came from. Because he kept friggin' talking about all these fantastic carvers that uh, can do miracles and do the, the unthinkable and unimaginable, specifically with Lysander, right? Atlantia keeps mentioning that. Big fucking Atlas even mentions that, like, you know, you're going to fix that scar. You can't look like a rugged bitch because, you know, you're not. You're a twink boy. Put your twink boy face back on. So, yeah, that's it. I love your guys' podcast. That's my one spicy prediction is that I think that Lysander is going to decarve Darrow and he's going to remake him a red in front of everybody and then it's going to be a fight between Darrow the red once more uh, and and the society that needs to fall. I mean, that's what I think. That's what I think. I think it'd be beautiful. I kind of hope I'm wrong now. Where do we even start with that? was incredible. <laughs> I want to say that he re- he didn't say his name. Uh, he reminds me of the turtle from Finding Nemo. <laughs> Crash. Crush. <laughs> so so we're going to name you Crush. <laughs> crush. My crush. Na- is it Crush? Is it Crush or Crash? Crush. 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 <laughs> crush the archaeologist. That was I want to say, first of all, that I call everyone a pixie, and I myself call myself a pixie. I was going to say. Multiple times. The same thing, yeah. Because. Uh, Aaron would be the first to line up on the pixie block. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Put me in, coach. <laughs> she would love that. So she'll be joining you as a pixie, I think. <laughs> but I'm I'm a pixie for many reasons, and it's mostly that I like my creature comforts, and I'm definitely not <laughs> iron cold. <laughs> Don't even like scar my face. Yeah, yeah, too pretty. No, you're not Don't proper iron. Proper iron. But uh, yes, so named Crush. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so many great things thanks for that was your, fun our you archaeologist like most interesting man in the world there well you sound like a good time yes sounds like, like a great time i feel like archaeologist slash raver <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like maybe we could 
go to Barcelona together. Yeah. Well, next time we're <laughs> hanging out some Roman ruins, we should, you know, have a rave. I feel like. Uh, or invite us to yeah. some Roman ruins. Yeah, a Roman ruin rave. Or our ruins boring. <laughs> <laughs> he seems pretty interested. <laughs> I've seen a lot. I saw like I walked up to the Acropolis and I was like, "Got it, nice." Look, yeah, looks cool. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. <laughs> uh, let's talk. Let's talk the theory of not de- to like de-carving. downplay ar- archaeologists' no. jobs. Yeah, I'd be more interested in dinosaurs. Oh, I, I, I wonder was, if Crush digs up dinosaurs. I was hard into wanting to be a paleontologist when I was a child, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of little boys are hard, paleontologists though. archaeologists. Kind of. I mean, they're digging up fossils. But is archaeology just digging? <laughs> I'm not sure what the subset <laughs> categories of all that is cool yeah maybe there's like an overarching should we, should we figure this out off air <laughs> yeah i think we'll <laughs> take that one off air let's talk about uh this theory of decarving darrow i i don't think i've ever heard this theory yeah i've heard like we we're gonna study him and tear him apart right i think there's there's something there maybe because i mean octavia clearly wanted to like run some tests on him you know yeah but that um, was more just to make sure figure out what was going on like, and like how he how he did it in the first place people, yeah yeah so yeah i mean you are right that lysander is into some weird eugenics shit and so i think he'd more or less just kill him uh yeah i think he knows how dangerous darrow is so keeping him alive probably is not something that lysander Even if would you do. tie him up and put him in a table yeah he get out of there i was gonna say if anybody was gonna experiment on darrow probably been the jackal and he had his opportunity and really didn't well he was going to after he was done with the table business right and then like i think octavia was kind of like you can't mess with him though you know because i want to do some of my experimenting so i don't know uh that was such a fun voicemail please call back and and give us your and name. give us your real name <laughs> or just be a uh, crush forever <laughs> that's, that's your heller name <laughs> all right aaron you know what it's time for what are we into this week aaron what are you into this week i watched a really good movie on peacock peacock <laughs> this is such a dumb <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> I don't know, man. They could have made up another new word. Like Streaming services are stupid. You know? Anyways. Yeah. That's my opinion. But the great movie I watched, it's called The Holdovers. It has Paul Giamatti in it. He is great. But it's just a feel-good movie. It's about, in the 1970s, Paul Giamatti's a teacher at this boarding school for boys, like high school age. And over winter break, a few of them, like, for one reason or another, don't go home for the holidays. So they're the Harry Potter Christmas. They're the holdovers, quote unquote. Harry Potter Christmas. No. Much more boring (laughs) for them. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, it's basically like a a story about, like, two people kind of changing perspectives and growing and they both end up like better people in the end. It's just like a nice, a nice movie. You're like, ah, oh, nice. Mm. There's nice people in the world. You know, That's good. no one dies. <laughs> you saying something to me about my, about your choice. Choice. <laughs> um, so yeah, I would say a great watch, watch it at home on Peacock <laughs> near you. <laughs> 
the holdovers. <laughs> uh, ben, what are you into? I'm into a movie as well. Not as much of a feel-good movie. <laughs> ben and I went and saw this together, <laughs> yes. and I was not prepared. <laughs> so we went and saw The Iron Claw. As you all know, I, I love my professional wrestling. Is that a wrestling shirt? It is. NWR. Have you ever Wolfpack. recorded Wolfpack on YouTube without a wrestling shirt on? Yeah, last week. Oh, great. <laughs> and the week when we had our shirt advertisements. Oh, and our Hallerpot shirts. Yeah. Plenty of times. Plenty of times. But this is the wolf pack, so you got to wear it. Okay. This, this is Howler, Howler adjacent. Howler adjacent. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Iron Claw. Uh, so Don't give any spoilers. No spoilers. But it is not a feel-good wrestling movie, which is what it's I thought. It's not a feel-good movie. It's a great story. Which I thought it was. And if you're like not into tragic stuff, like I will tell you a lot of stories about professional wrestling in the 80s and 90s and tragically. But they're very interesting and full of interesting people and characters. And this is based on a true story. This is a true story of the Von Erich family, which is a you know uh, one of the great wrestling families uh, in America. And it's like a super interesting story. Great performance by Zac Efron. I do think it's worth checking out if you're into that type of thing. And you get to see lots of abs. I was going to say, if you're into hot men, and this pecs. is definitely the movie for you. Like very cut dudes and the guy from the bear jeremy white or whatever his name is yeah the chef you can also see him almost nude all over instagram really have you not seen those calvin klein ads no oh you had you get fed different things (laughs) that's in your algorithm that's on my algorithm (laughs) but like too much like okay, okay too much skin like i mean yeah it's pretty you seem pretty flustered right now it's pretty shocking how low (laughs) down the picture goes (laughs) anyway uh yeah if you want to see him and zach afron and this it's a great great story like i said so um, it was a good movie for sure it is a good movie well acted and i think they do a good job of like telling the story giving the family members uh, a lot of runway and just telling their story as is. And I loved it. So that was good. Check it out. Bring your tissues. Bring your tissues though. All right. What's coming up next week on Hallerpod? Chapters 48 to 54. 48 to 54. That sounds great. All right. Special thanks to Miles for our episode art. Mm, I love this week's. Yes, this week's is great. Mm-hmm. The cestus. I feel like the only thing that could have been added was like, like half of a severed arm, maybe. Well, but it would. It didn't the really make is sense. Never like right. on a severed arm. Yeah, it's only on a attached arm. Right, and that's kind of a spoiler, maybe. I guess. Maybe. Yeah. But great job, Miles. Thanks to Nick Brinlow for the voice work, as always. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, like our videos, comment, subscribe. Follow us at HowlerPod, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy, email us, HowlerPod at gmail.com. Leave a voicemail, 1-800-516-1540. That's 1-800-516-1540. Find all this on HowlerPod.com. And rate and review us five stars only if you don't give us five stars only then 
we'll put one of those inky black eggs over your head because mm. uh, that sounds horrifying. And shoot you off into space? Or, I don't know. Just escape pod. the egg itself it will just, would freak me out. Yeah. I yeah, don't like that. That's true. All right. Thanks, Hallers. I'm Nisphere Lupus. Oh! oh!